morning, everybody. Hope you came wanting something from the Lord. We got a lot to cover this morning. I have to put on your spiritual thinking caps. We're going to go deep. Uh, Bob and I were talking this morning. So why do I go beyond a week? And I think every subject we study has a lot, a lot to chase, a lot to dig into. So I, I think I, I really struggle to just kind of give one one week of study and then move on to the next subject. And this subject alone is going to take a few weeks to get through. Uh, it'll end on deception and apostasy. It's such a positive note. But the reality is that that is where we are in the world today. And apostasy is upon us. And deception is widespread. But we have to understand why. It's really the, it's, it's a getting a, an explanation of why this is happening at an accelerated rate. What's really going on is what's going on behind the scenes. It ends up translating into the physical world. You know, the purpose of the study is to bring awareness, awareness of the spirit world, the unseen world. Just because you can't taste, see, hear, or touch it doesn't mean it's not real. And believers struggle with this. Really do. They, they see everything in the physical. And so... I felt like this is a really important study to start looking at things in the spiritual realm. And so the battles that we face are not physical, they're spiritual. Paul made it very clear in Ephesians 6, all of us, in the purpose of the studies, to put on the armor of God that we fight the battle which is real. You could say it's not real, well, get ready. It's real because it, it'll make itself known to you that it's real. And we are given spiritual weapons to do to go to this battle. And if we're not aware of that, we're going to get wounded and possibly taken out of the, out of the, the, the battle itself. So it's really important to, to kind of dig into this. Um, you know, it's funny, I got to thinking, we're soldiers of the cross, and our weapons are not carnal, and we are to put on the whole armor of God. But this is carried through not only uh, in our life, but if you read in Revelation 19 when it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb, you would think that's a grand event. Did you know that the marriage supper is followed? Following that is the, is the return of Christ from the third heaven who's coming to judge and make war with his enemies. It's interesting that it says, and, they and the armies which followed him in heaven upon white horses were clothed in fine linen, white and clean. You know who that is? That's you and I. And it's a reference to us as armies in heaven. So you're not only an army, a soldier here in the army of God on this earth, but it appears that you're going to be involved as an army in heaven. When you leave the third heaven to come back with Christ, you're, re you're referred to as that army in heaven. So I thought that was interesting stuff. It's just the, the way of life, I guess. And the spirit world is real and it's a battle. So what we looked at and kind of concluded last week is how Nebuchadnezzar, as he gets right with God, he proclaims through prophetically, he says, and he doeth, God doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. Now that's opposed to the army on earth. This is not talking about God's people. The army of heaven here isn't anything to do with the physical. And you'll see this. We're going to go into this and the depth of this of and try to understand what really goes on behind the scenes in the army of heaven. Now, if there's an army of heaven, that means there's a conflict of good versus evil. 
That means there's, a, there's an opposing military uh, battle going on. And in an army, there's always a hierarchy. There's a, uh, a ranking of authority. And so that tells me this should play out in Scripture. If God's going to reveal this, He's going to reveal it in Scripture that there's, there, is a, there is a hierarchy and a ranking. I think you'll see some of that this morning. We don't have a great deal of information on this. God has only given us what He wants us to know. And what we don't know, we better leave alone. What we, we can't su- assume on God or, or assume we know something that's not in Scripture that gets dangerous, becomes dangerous territory. But God has revealed enough to know that there's something going on behind the scenes that's very real, that translates into the physical world, and explains a lot of what's going on in our personal life as well as in the world today. I thought about Putin. Now, some, most would probably proclaim him as a, as a madman. Uh, yes, a madman, but uh, a genius at that, maybe. Uh, and thirsty for war thirsty and hungry for power. Now, you think he got that on his own? It didn't start on... His power comes from somebody. First of all, God allows it. So it comes from God ultimately. God allows it. But there's a spirit world that's giving him the influence and the power to carry out what he's doing. Remember, the thief cometh to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. The mission of Christ is to give life and life abundant. You look around, we have a world that is collapsing, is is decaying, is destroying itself because the thief is getting away with it. But God's allowing it for a reason. It's good for you to understand that or acknowledge that God is in control of all things, but He allows it, and for whatever reason, we may not understand it, but He allows it. So back to this army in heaven. Again, I have, see if we got a, picture here. There we go. That's just your your typical military rankings that are in the in the army and you know you got your enlisted army and then you've got your officers and and I know that's very detailed but it just shows you there's a hierarchy, a command, there's authority. That that's no different with the army of heaven. Now it may not look like that and it may not play out like that, but there's certainly a hierarchy of authority, and we'll see that here play out in a few minutes. So let's go behind the scenes here in the book of Daniel. That's where you're going to get a lot of, some of this information, or I should say a lot of it. And it says in Daniel 10, 11, 12, he said unto me, O Daniel, and we're going to have to identify who this man is. That's really important to understand the context and identify who this person is speaking to Daniel. And that sets the tone of what, what's going on behind the scenes. He said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand these words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. Obviously, he he had fallen to the ground. He says, For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Daniel stood trembling. Um, You had a vision like this, you'd stand trembling. Uh, It's interesting when you read about John in the Isle of Patmos in the first uh, chapter, he felt as a dead man at the feet of Christ. When he saw Christ, he fell de- as a dead man. I mean, he, he hit the dirt as fast as he could when he saw Christ. Well, he experiences the same thing with another vision in Revelation 22, John does, and he says he falls at the feet of this angel, and the angel tells him, see thou do it 
doest it not, for I am thy fellow servant. So that is not Christ in the second time the vision is given. And, he's, and, and so you, you can see clearly these visions would cause anyone to tremble. And then said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words we heard. That's interesting. And I am come for thy words. So who was this messenger? Well, the messengers described to us in Daniel 10, verse 5 and 6. That's the best picture I could get. There's a lot of pictures, and they are, as far as I'm concerned, they're not scriptural. Just about 90% of all the pictures you find of angels have what? Wings. That is not Bible, folks. Now, I'm not going to get into it today, or I will next week. That's not scriptural. People, every everybody thinks that, and it's not a woman, thank you. We'll get into that. So I had to, I finally got something that is close to what is the description of this messenger, this heavenly messenger. He's clothed in linen and fine gold. His body was beryl, which is yellow jasper, like the stone. His face like lightning. Interesting when you read about angels, like in Matthew chapter 28, verse 3, the angel that rolled away the stone of the tomb of Christ, the, the Bible says, and his, the angel's countenance, was like lightning, and his raiment was white. So this face, you see this often associated with angels, the face like lightning. His eyes is a lamp of fire. His arms and feet polished brass. It's interesting because those are actually pictures of Christ in Revelation chapter 1. He has feet of brass, uh, arms, arms and feet of brass. His eyes are like flame of fire. His son, his face was like what? The, the sun, the countenance of his face. So very similar, a lot of similarities here with the angels. And then it says, of course, the voice of many. So it was obviously intense and deep. So this messenger is not an ordinary human being. That's why I'm taking time to put this out here. So you understand the messenger is from God. It's heavenly. And that's their job. This is a spiritual messenger from God's army. Here's what's interesting. Now he's giving that message, but now he gives a little context of what happened in getting the message to Daniel. The message was hindered. It says, this is a loaded verse. It says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days. So that heavenly messenger is telling us, I tried to get this message to you from God, but I was held up for 21 days. And it took Michael, which we'll learn to be the archangel, one of the chief princes, comes to help me, and I remain there with the kings of Persia. This is behind the scenes. This is what's really going on. When Paul talks about, in Ephesians 6, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers, that's what he's talking about. This is going on right now in the world today. I just learned that they shot down the, the balloon from China, and China's upset, and America's, you know, everybody's attacking administration, and, you know, who was right, when, when they should have done it, and all that. This, is, this originated way beyond the physical world. 
this is who knows what's going on and what's next and what will happen. But that that's what's happening. And what's amazing about this, the message was held up for 21 days. So this battle took took some time before finally Michael, who by the way is one of the chief princes. So he's a part of that hierarchy. He's one of the chief princes, which was like in your military terms, the general. He's the archangel. Now, he's the only one in Scripture who's named Michael as the archangel. There is no other angels mentioned, but it does tell us here that he's one of the chief princes. That indicates there's more than one. <laughs> there's more, more Michaels out there that are just not named. And so that tells you there's the army there. And then he, and then he tells you, I remain there. And I, this is something I don't understand, but there with the kings of Persia. This is in the spiritual realm. So you have princes, you have kings, you have things happening behind the scenes that are played out in the world itself. And in this case, it took Michael to get involved to get this, this message through. That's some, that's some battle. And... Uh, Gives us some insight of what's happening. So again, behind the scenes. And he said, the messenger, Know thou therefore I come unto thee. And then he says, And now I've given you the message. And of course it was a prophecy of, uh, that also was given to Daniel. But he says, Now will I return to fight. So he's going back. He's out of the battle to give the message. Message to Daniel. Now he's going back into the spirit, into the the realm of the battle itself with the king or the prince here of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, this is interesting. Lo, the price of Grecia, the prince, the prince of Grecia shall come. So the battle continues. So they double teamed whoever this heavenly messenger was. This is the what Paul is referring to when he refers to principalities. These are princesses over the state. That's what that word means, principalities, and rulers, and of course, spiritual wickedness in high places. So this battle is very real and, and, and affects what goes on in the physical world. A lot, of, a lot of depth there. So we see the hierarchy at work. The battle rages on behind the scenes. The vision, let's recap this. The vision of God's angel. We have the prince of the kingdom of Persia. There's that principality. We have a message delayed for 21 days. We have Michael, the chief prince, who intervenes. And that says something about what really goes on. And then the prince of Grecia ends up joining in this battle. Now, I don't understand that. None of us understand that. We, we can't grasp this stuff. And so God gives us little glimpses behind the scenes to let you know this is real. Take it serious. Put on the armor. Be prepared for battle and be a soldier because this stuff is going on. And Satan is attacking Christians like nobody's business. And that's really what he's after. Ultimately, he's after God's people to destroy them and to keep God from being glorified and honored. So, here. The army of God. Let's kind of break this down into, into what would be considered more of a spiritual hierarchy.
Michael contends with Satan over the body of Moses. You know where that is? You know why? And we really don't understand truly why, except for we know that in, in Deuteronomy 34, God go, takes Moses up into the mount. He shows him all the land that was promised that he's going to deliver, he's going to bring Israel to, but Moses can't go into that promised land. But then he takes him down to the valley and he buries him there. That God buries Moses. And, and, and so there's no, there's no witnesses, there's nobody involved, so God performs Moses' funeral. And then all we know, that's it, we don't know anything beyond that, and then we read in Jude chapter 1 that Michael, the archangel, there's the, which by the way means chief prince, archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Now, I don't fully understand why, other than the fact that it's, a, it's most likely that Moses will appear in the tribulation period as one of the witnesses that's witnessing to Israel and to the world. And I don't want to get into all that, but there's certainly a use of his, of his, his person in the future. So why are they contending for that body? But what I want you to get out of it, Michael is the archangel, which indicates a hierarchy as a chief angel. That's what that means. And we read earlier that there's more than one. But Michael's the only one mentioned. We know also Michael is connected to the rapture. Because it tells us here, for the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. And then it tells us with the voice of the archangel. So somehow he's, he may be connected to the rapture of, of the saints of God. And we know that because Michael's the only one mentioned in Scripture as the archangel or archangel. Let's read a little bit more about Michael. Now this is in Daniel chapter 12. It says, at that time. Now that time is yet future. This hasn't happened yet. It's a prophecy and it's at that time shall Michael stand up. So the chief prince, the archangel, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and thy people means the Jews. What's he do? Well, let's see what takes place in Revelation. This is yet to be fulfilled. This is a tribulation passage. This occurs yet in the future. Um, sometime in the three and a half year mark. You say, how do I know that? Because in Revelation chapter 12, it tells you how long this takes place. Now, the battle itself doesn't, but it, the context is a three-and-a-half-year period, which is known as the Great Tribulation, Jacob's Trouble. This is a time when, let's, let's just say it this way, all hell is unleashed upon this earth. Everything you can imagine, every demonic spirit, everything, death is profound on the earth. God's going to whittle this, the populations down to nothing when this is done. Jesus' own words in Matthew 24 were, this will be a time of trouble that never was, nor shall ever be again. And that's the time where you read that he's going to stand up, Michael, who's the general, and there was war in heaven. This is like one of the final battles to be played out in heaven. And then it says, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. So I, I, you learn from this that the angels 
and that army is take is fighting against Satan, who has his own legion or his own uh, uh, army itself to fight back. This is this is the classic evil versus good. And listen, Hollywood has nothing on this stuff. Now we read this stuff, and I think it just, you know, we read. I think we, honestly, I think we get to, we don't even believe it. Because we don't see it, we can't touch it, we can't feel it, we, 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 but yet we're experiencing it for our very eyes. We see the world unfolding in the way it is because of what's happening behind the scenes. And, the, and, and God's trying to tell us, wake up and realize what's happening and that we're called to be soldiers. Now here, this is the, another individual, uh, there's a lot of angels in scriptures, but they're not mentioned by name. However, Michael uh, is mentioned, and this other one, Gabriel, which I don't know where he stands in the hierarchy of God, but he's part of the army of God, and he's mentioned four times in scripture. He's mentioned twice in the book of Daniel. Here it says, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. In Daniel 9.21, while I was speaking in prayer, even this man, Gabriel. That goes back to why he said, Angels are not seen in Scripture as females. They're always seen as males. And it's this man, Gabriel, whom I have seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly. Now, we read the word fly, and we automatically we assume, don't we? I mean, Google angels, and you'll see what I'm, what I'm talking about. Everybody's got angels attached with wings because they read into this that they, they fly swiftly. That doesn't necessarily mean they have wings. But this man, Gabriel, is able to fly in the spirit realm, and he touched Daniel. He's an important, he's important enough in the scriptures to be named. So he's in that hierarchy where Michael is, and he's so important that he, he, he's mentioned twice in the book of Luke. So twice in the Old Testament here in Daniel, and twice in the book of Luke. Do you know what he's associated with? The first says he appears before Zacharias, and he gives Zacharias the information that you and Elizabeth are going to have a child whose name will be John, and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, Zacharias gets his vision, and he's obviously, like, like Daniel, trembling, but he doesn't believe it. He gets the vision, he gets the message, and he doesn't believe it. I mean, I, I don't know. He's up there in age, his wife's up there in age, I guess it'd be hard to believe that she's going to have a child. But he says this is going to take place, and he doesn't believe it, and what's Gabriel do? He causes him to be dumb, and he can't speak for the entire time until John is born. Which I laugh about it because I can imagine how Elizabeth had to play with him a little bit that he couldn't speak. Could you imagine? I think I'm going to go out and buy a few Louis Vuitton purses. He couldn't speak. Couldn't say a word until the birth of his torture. He could write all right. We don't know if he could write, do we? <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, at least he can spell four words. So, Four, le four letters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The second time, he appears to who? Mary. I tell you, 
that is one important messenger. If he, he gets the, God says, I got a, I got a job for you. You're going to go give the message to Zacharias and Elizabeth, and then you're going to go give it to Mary. And there's an angel that appears to Joseph that doesn't mention who it is. Now, we can assume it's Gabriel, but the angel, and that's care, we've got to be careful of that, but that Gabriel's mentioned as appearing to Mary, and he said, he said, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow thee, and the holy thing which will be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So we see the importance that Gabriel plays as a heavenly messenger and, uh, and how uh, God uses these, these creatures that he created to get forth messages. Um, boy, that's something else to be thinking about. So let's go a little deeper. Back in 2 Kings chapter 6, now we've, we've studied this together before, but it doesn't hurt to recap it. It says, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone Forth, and behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. Now that's in the physical realm. So Elisha and the servant are, are surrounded by an army, a physical army of horses and chariots. And the servant says unto him, Elisha, Alas, my master, how shall we do? What are we going to do about this? I mean, we're outnumbered, obviously, and what are we going to do? And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, you're the servant. Put yourself in his shoes. What are you thinking at this point? Yeah, what do you? They? Huh? They be more than 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 us. He had no idea what Elijah was seeing that the servant could not see. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. May God help us to see what's going on behind the scenes. Because God's telling us things about what's going on, and we go, huh? Like the servant. We can't see it, and that's true, we can't see it. Now, I'm not encouraging, and certainly don't believe that Anybody's getting visions today. I don't believe that's a present thing. I think God's given us everything He wants us to know right here. This book is completed. We don't have extra visions. We don't need extra vi- We don't need heavenly messengers to give us information about uh, God in addition to the Scriptures. We have everything. In fact, Paul tells us in Colossians 2, verse 18, he says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and intru- and worshiping of angels, intruding in those things which he hath not seen. So he's warning us, don't, don't get caught up in this worship of angels or thinking that you understand it. He said, believe it like a childlike faith. Yes, God, I believe the spiritual battle, but it's not for us to sit here and try to figure it out, what's going on and how it, we just got to believe what God tells us. And there are a lot of people out there that want you or they want people to worship angels and, and saints and relics and somehow that they're protectors. Like, I mean, how many saints out there by the name of Gabriel they put on their car or they, they put in their house a little statue? And, and that's the things Paul's saying. Don't let anybody deceive you of these things. And he said, because that kind of worship is forbidden by the Lord. But yet, we know it's real because he says, I'm, I'm going to open his eyes, or Lord, open his eyes that he may see. 
He wasn't, of course, referring to his physical sight. So as he points out to this, he says, And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, the servant, and saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. So that's what's really going on. Could you imagine if God gave us a glimpse of what was going on today, right now? I mean, one of the things that I've had to, especially for this subject material, is God protect us, keep us from distractions and, and things that can keep us, keep us from wanting to hear this. I mean, because this is, I know the battle going into this. This subject material is not popular and it's hard. And I know that Satan does not want us to know this information. And so he can thwart this and cause a lot of distraction. So it should be our prayer that God would place a hedge about us and keep us uh, from uh, any distraction or anything that would take away from us being able to see these truths. In this case, they physically, visually saw this. And uh, it's, it's quite, the, quite the battle. I mean, I can't imagine what, what the servant was thinking. Um, you know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 1, verse 14, are not they, or it says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to minister to the heirs of salvation? That's you and I. So that means there are angels that are working on our behalf, ministering to us, whether it's protecting us or trying to get us to, I mean, I don't know all the details of what they do, but it tells us they're ministering spirits to you and I. And in Psalm 34, verse 7, even though it's Old Testament, here's the angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him. So we have enough information to know that, yes, angels are involved in our life and, and our, um, our battle. They, they help us, but we don't know to what degree, and we don't, we don't sit there and look to angels, we look to Christ. But God gives us those, those ministering spirits, just like, we're seeing here, and of course we know that Elijah prayed and they were blinded. The entire army, the physical army, was blinded. And, and so we know that these battles are taking place. A little bit more of what's going on behind the scenes, especially when, it, when it's in reference to angels. Matthew chapter 26, verse 53. It says, Thinkest thou, this is Christ, and... The context is Peter, the disciples just don't get this. They, they, have, they don't understand the spiritual implications of what Christ is about to do with the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So much so that they didn't believe in the resurrection. Now you've you got to think about this for a minute. Three and a half years they spent with Christ. God manifest in the flesh. They saw every miracle that we read about. Can you imagine? And they get, they're being told by Christ that he's got he's to die, suffer at the hands of man for sin, he's going to be buried, and he's going to rise again. And they still don't believe him. And even up to the point when the, when the women come back and said, the tomb is empty, they're like, we don't believe you. We don't believe you. They didn't have spiritual eyes to see the things that Christ was teaching them. And so in the context here, Peter think somehow he's going to protect Christ from being harmed. I don't I he just didn't get it. No matter how many times the Lord had to deal with him, he just didn't get it and he pulls out the knife 
and he slices off the ear of that Roman soldier. And of course, we know Christ returns the ear, heals completely, puts the ear back. Now, if I don't know about you, but if I was that soldier right there, I'd have gotten right with God. <laughs> Whoop, there goes my ear. There, it's back. But Peter was in the physical world. He was trying to fight the battle in the physical world, and it's nothing wrong with about protecting yourself. I get all that. But he didn't understand the implications of the spiritual world, and this is what Christ says to him at that moment. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Now, a legion is approximately 6,000 angels. That's the number, a legion. Remember the, uh, in the, um, what's it, Gardenias? What's the name of that? The, the maniac. Gadarenus, thank you. Gadarenus. What was his name? Gadarene. What was his name? Legion. Legion. 6,000. How many hogs? 2,000. So, in this case, the legion approximately is 6,000 angels. He says more than 12, which would be 72,000 angels at his disposal. This is the, this is the world behind the world. <laughs> this is the spirit world. And he says, Peter... Your little knife-cutting incident is a joke compared to what I have behind me. But I'm not using that because I've got other things to complete and finish. And so there he goes. Now, think about 72,000 angels when only one angel in Scripture destroyed 185,000 people just like that, Assyrians. These are powerful creatures that God's created and given the ability to. We don't know if all angels are that powerful, but we know that one is for sure. And Christ had 72,000 or more at his disposal. And he chose not to, which tells you how much he had to withhold back and resist the temptation when they were beating him mercifully, unmercifully. So that God may give us eyes to see, in Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, and he turned unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. May God help us to see the things that God wants us to see that will help us in the battle, making it real, and helping us as soldiers to put on the spiritual armor every day to go to battle and for the will of God. So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for the study and the subject material. Uh, Lord, help us to better understand these things, to grasp the reality of that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Oh, that, Father, we may have eyes to see and that we put on the whole armor of God and the spiritual weapons you've given us to fight this battle according to the will of God. May, Lord, you be glorified this morning. May the words of our mouth and the, and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight as we look to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.